Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 66th episode of the No Shot Clock Podcast. For the next hour or so, uh, myself, Joe Hendrickson, the City Suburban Hoops Report, and Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times will catch you up on all things high school basketball here in the Chicago area and in, in Illinois. Today is a jam-packed podcast, so we're, we're going to give you our regular two takes, and we'll follow that up with questions from the listeners. Then we're going to recognize some of the real surprises of the season thus far. We're about a quarter of the way into the season, and a lot of teams, many of which we, Mike and I, really haven't you know, generally talked a whole lot about, are off to some stellar starts. So we're going to focus a bit on that, and then we'll take a brief look at the week ahead. But, Mike, it was, it was a busy week and a weekend of basketball that, um, you know, it, with the shootouts, these December shootouts, uh, it gives us a lot of looks at more teams. But, again, I think we've missed – well, we haven't talked a whole lot about some of these ones that have gotten off to great starts. Yeah, it was another weekend with Saturday and Sunday loaded basketball. It was over that Team Rose shootout, so saw plenty there. Got a pretty good handle on the area, it seems like, this year at this point. And as Joe mentioned, we're a quarter of the way through the season. I've read a more than one write-up, the name shall remain nameless, of reporters talking about how the basketball season is just starting. Um, No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most teams have played six or seven games at this point. Um, that's not just starting anymore. Just because you stopped covering football and showed up <laughs> does not mean that the basketball season just started. That was three weeks ago at this point. So anyway, um, you want to start it out with your take, Joe? Yeah, my first one, Mike, is, and I did write a little bit about it in my column, which will be in the paper on Tuesday, but there's a really big midweek game coming up Wednesday night at Romeoville and Romeoville Bolingbrook, which is a, it's a weird type of rivalry. It is a rivalry because they're local by each other, five, six miles apart, same school district, but there hasn't been a whole lot of competitive balance between the two recently or really ever. Uh, I mean, Romeoville is just kind of a non-existent basketball wise and Bolingbrook has been kind of put their chest out, and deservedly so, over the last few years in particular. But, you know, since Rob Rose took over that program, they've been a consistent 20-plus win team. They finished third in the state two out of the last three years. And last year was a little bit of buzz going with the Romeoville-Bolingbrook game. I showed up at Bolingbrook, and Bolingbrook just crushed them. I mean, right out of the gate. Uh, it was just a, a unbelievable performance by Bolingbrook, one where – it totally caught my eye and, and put Bolingbrook on the map as the best team in the suburbs without question in my mind. And they kind of proved that over the course of the season. But this is, Mike, to me, an opportunity, more so for Romeoville, at home. You've been building towards this year. You added the, the talented transfer in Eddie Creel. Uh, and, and it's just, and again, it's not a conference game. It's not, although it does, you know, pose a little bit of a fork, a, a little sneak peek at what could happen in March, which is a, a sectional game between these two, which happens to be, I was looking at the sectional, is at Romeoville. So th I just think this is a huge opportunity for Romeoville. And I, I'm not even saying they have to necessarily win the game. Obviously, they want to. They, they, they're more than capable. They're talented enough to do so. But if for some reason they just kind of laid an egg in this one, it, it and I don't think they will. I think it's going to be a, a tight, close game. But 
Romulo's got to compete at a high level and 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 kind of show that they are here and they belong. Yeah, I I feel like they did that on Saturday against Hillcrest. I was really really impressed. This goes right into my take, which was actually about Romeoville and HF. Uh, yeah, I'm sold on Romeoville. I mean, they have right now. I think they're the clear favorite in this game. They're home. They've already beaten Joliet Central and Hillcrest. That's much better than anything Bolingbrook has done. They've got better size than Bolingbrook. I mean, I think they should win this game. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be the favorite. I think they proved so much against Hillcrest, especially just to me. All of the problems that I'd seen last year. Because, you know, I saw some good games, and then I saw some really bad stuff from them, and we read about some of it. There, Nobody was selfish. You know, everybody was playing defense. There was just a completely different feel to me about Romeoville in this game. And if there were going to be problems, Saturday was one where I think they could have cropped up because you got a lot of kids that don't have their college situation set. And that was a setting in which they knew there were going to be a lot of college coaches. So there would have been, you know, you could easily understood why somebody might have been taking too many shots or looking past an open teammate. And that didn't happen. You know, they were, they kind of were a kind of a rugged team, which was something I didn't see last year. So I'm all in on Romeoville. I know they're not a traditional power aside from the Will Walker uh, <laughs> eye blink there before yeah. he left. I don't think we can even really talk about many players. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very excited about Romeoville. I moved them up into the top five, you know, kind of based on resume and, you know, they're, they're unbeaten still. So is Bolingbrook. So yeah, that's going to be a fun game. I'll be there too. Um, I have heard that Tyler Cochran might be out for Bolingbrook. Some commenters. Yeah. I mean, if he's, if he's, um, you know, I think he's battling an ankle injury, I think it's an ankle. And if he, obviously that changes because if, if yeah. Tyler Cochran's healthy to me, Bolingbrook has the two best players on the floor. And Joseph Yusufu and Tyler Cochran. And that's why, I mean, I, I think it's a real toss-up. I, mean, I know you mentioned maybe a clear favorite. I, I just, I think Bolingbrook's just been down this road. They, they've had these big games. They they went to Peoria last year. These The 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 bulk of their, the heart of their team, from Caleb Thornton to Yusufu to um, Cochran, have, have done it and been there. So it, it should, it, it would be really, it's going to be tough if, if Cochran's obviously not playing. Yeah, that would be a shame too because I'd really like to see these teams at full strength um going at one another. My other kind of the second half of that take was Homewood Flossmore, a team we really haven't talked about at all. They're, you know, a program everybody should beware. I was pretty impressed. They made Lincoln Way East look no offense Lincoln Way East, but they made Lincoln Way East look like an 8th grade team with what they did to them. They humiliated them at home. Lincoln Way East had 3 buckets in the first half. And the defensive effort that Homewood Flossmoor put in, I, it feels like every other pass Lincoln Weiss threw was picked off, especially in that first half by Homewood Flossmoor. This team just got after it so hard. You know, they don't have anybody spectacular, but they have a junior class that is really kind of loaded with that typical HF talent. You know, whether it's length, nobody's a high major, you know, college star, but they are definitely a team to watch. I think they're going to be a a major factor in that sectional this year and next year, who knows what they could do when these guys have another, you know, year under their belt, Sean Jones, they do have one senior that's playing a lot. Isaac Stanback, who I had heard a lot of reports from people that he didn't look comfortable with HF over the uh, Thanksgiving week. And, you know, I asked, asked Mark Condotti, the coach about that. He said, it's because they had, they had him playing out in the wing. That's over with. He's back down low, and he looked really good against Lincoln Way East, who has some size, and they were just not able to deal with him at all. It was a really good performance. I'm, I'm going to try not to get too down on Lincoln Way East because it was clear that was just a really, really bad 
there's no way they could have played that poorly and won the games they've won. So I'm, I'm going to kind of write it off. Yeah, that's disappointing to me to see the score because I was I was very high on Lakeway East I, going into the season. After seeing them at Thanksgiving, I, I remained high. You know, it's funny I talked to a couple of coaches in their league in the last you know day or so following that game, and and we were discussing it, and and they too were surprised when they saw the score. Uh, the home and flaws more link away east score and as I was so yeah I mean obviously I wasn't there you were there and it, and it looked like it was just complete two different level teams but I, I'd be a cons- my concern with link away east was handling a lot of pressure yeah. uh, defensive pressure taking care of the ball you know I that was my one concern when I came out of there watching them after Thanksgiving they do have offensive weapons they clearly didn't show that in that game but you know my my second take is just the sexual assignments came out this year or this past weekend, and and if anybody saw it online, I put it together. I just a real quick, somewhat you know, a little bit of research put in, but I, I did a top five for each sectional, top where the seeds would be right now. And as I was putting it together, and I was putting them in line by line by line, one through five, and I would get to that number one line, and I realized. And it goes with what we've been saying and preaching here for two, three weeks. I just wasn't extremely confident. Like, okay, when you get to that number one team at this time of the year, sometimes in the past, they've kind of jumped out at you and like, okay, these are these are gonna be really tough to beat. And then by the time the season wears on, you see other teams rise up and meet and, and, and easily can challenge that. But right now, that's how I felt with almost all of them. I went through each sectional. And each number one, I thought most of them were were pretty clear cut who the top seed would be. You could argue Romeoville and Bolingbrook for sure uh, in, in that one sectional. But the only sectional I thought, okay, this is a no brainer favorite would be Simeon in that Thornton sectional. Even though HF we just got done talking about could be much better two months from now than they are right now with those juniors. But I, I just think it went right along with. Not only what we're going to see all season, but what we'll see in March. I, I just anticipate seeing upsets, and and before we get to that point, where if anybody really looked at those seeds, I think it's going to be completely different, uh, as it should be two months from now when they actually do the seeding. Yeah, it's uh, it was super fun checking that thing out that you put up because you know it's kind of annoying just to look in mass at all the assignments when they put them up. So it's nice when somebody can kind of break it down like that. But yeah, you're right. We are uh, we got a lot to go for sure. Uh, my second take, just kind of in general. First off, or it's on Or Danville. The game yesterday at uh, Mount Carmel, spectacular game. First off, major props to Mike Oliver and Reggie Rose and the Team Rose people for putting that together. That's exactly the kind of game we want, especially early. For Danville to come up here, and it's even perfect because these aren't teams that are gonna have to play one another in the playoffs. You know, they're different classes, so we're never going to see or Danville again. But it was a chance to see a Central Illinois team that a lot of people up here don't know about. They don't go to Pontiac with a really exciting player in Kendall Moore against one of the top five, you know, the CPS powerhouse teams. And it, you know, a big crowd. It looked nearly packed at Mount Carmel. Everybody was there. It was so exciting to just kind of get the buzz. And then the game lived up to it 100%. 
91 to 89 final. Uh, Kendall Moore was just terrific the whole game. He's just a spectacularly fun player to watch. He got a rebound off a missed three and just a gorgeous move. Passed a couple of guys, you know, beat another guy at the basket to score, and then Orr took a timeout. They had six seconds left, and it was just like the end of the Gary game. You know, they got down there, three or four guys touched the ball in the half court. You know, they could have gotten the shot off, and it ends up, it kind of, I think it rolled off somebody's leg out of bounds, and that was it. They lost. So Orr needs to work <laughs> on the uh, last second drill, that's for sure. But overall, it was just such a great experience. Orr played really well. This was not like the Curie game, and it was kind of upsetting. You know, I had to knock him down in the rankings. But frankly, after watching them and watching Curie's performance, Orr really looks a lot better than them right now. And I would have liked to have, you know, in a perfect world, I think Orr might be the number three or four team right now, despite the loss, because that was a high-level game. And, you know, Chase Adams went nuts. He scored 37. We got a question about that. We'll talk about that later. Was disappointing a little bit, Ty Mosley and Raekwon Drake. The bigs did not come and were not big for Orr. They got out-rebounded by a Danville team that, I'm not going to, I'm not exaggerating here. This team could win 4A. Um, I think they proved to everybody that they're that good, that they can give Simeon a game. They can give Young a game for sure. They have a lot of depth that I did not expect. Some guys like Dalen Davis, 6'5", strong, and just a lot of leapers. You know, plus Kendall Moore is going to be the best player on the floor in most games. Danville really proved a lot to everybody there. They weren't just, you know, a talented, good team. They were exciting, and they can really come through at the big moments. And it was best game I've seen so far this year by far. It was better than the Battle of Vincennes even. And I think it's really excited a lot of people that we can look forward to seeing Danville again at Pontiac and kind of spice things up at State. Yeah, we can get a team like that in the Chicago area. You know, it, it just adds to, you know, what high school basketball for a fan to see those types of games. Uh, Kendall Moore, is, as you mentioned, he's in a – He's an electric scorer. I mean, he, he kind of reminds me of a high school version of Isaiah Thomas, not our Chicago Isaiah Thomas, but the Boston Celtic Cleveland Cavalier Isaiah Thomas, where he can kind of just put a team on his back. And, and, and he did that. We saw it last year at Pontiac where he went for, I don't know, 36, 37, when they knocked off Curie and it was probably the best individual performance I saw last year. So uh, they do have size. They've got uh, speed, quickness, athleticism. They, yeah, they, they've got – all the ingredients to be a factor at Pontiac and in March, just as you said. You uh, want to hit these surprises or questions? I don't remember what we said now. Yeah, we'll go through these questions. Okay. Um, Let me get them up here. I we think... uh, had quite a few last week, I think. Uh, yeah, Alexandre couple... is up. I, I mean, let's go right into it because we were just talking about it. His second question was, has Chase Adams lived up to the hype over his high school career? He's a senior now, right? I mean, I, I'll probably do a column on Chase at some point. He's got an interesting story overall. You know, he's the ball-is-life superstar who came in with a lot of hype, started right away at Marion Catholic. I think it was impossible for him to live up to the yeah, hype Yeah, I mean, that that's, the, that's the thing, Mike. I just... It's an interrupt you here, but I just that it's really unfair hype. You know, when we see and I, you know, I've been guilty of it maybe a few times where I've talked I've talked about a junior high or a middle school's player, but it's really got to be someone just off the charts, and and for me to even mention it, and because before that freshman year, I mean, we just 
you just don't know. Uh, and he has clearly had a size disadvantage that, you know, was uh, pretty clear and evident at that age, and he has not grown. So I just think the hype was a little bit over overhype, but as it was no fault of his own. Yeah. You know, uh, it was almost unfair. And I think he's had a nice, he's been a good point guard. You know, mm-hmm. his whole career, yeah, he hasn't scored a ton. That isn't, wasn't really his job at any of those teams. We saw yesterday, he scored like a madman. He hit everything in sight. He had 37 points, only missed, I'm looking now, five shots to get 37. So, you know, he was getting it done. It'll be interesting to see if that keeps up this year. And I'm not even sure that's really what Orr had in mind for him. Um, so that, that'll be interesting as well. But, you know, his college future's in doubt, and that's what he's playing for now. Uh, so it, it's interesting. You know, he also he lost his older brother who died two years ago, who was a big part of his life and his career. You know, was a, a coach with the Mac Irvin Fire. So he's been through some stuff, and now he's had to change schools too. So it's been a you know a rough up and down career for Chase, and he is. But he's hot right now. This is that was the best game of his career, and we'll see if he keeps it up. And not only did he have to deal with the early hype, he also had to deal with the whole small guard going to Marian Catholic. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, and just the the constant, constant next Tyler Eulis comparison. I mean, I, that, that that too was a bit unfair. Yeah, that that's a good point, and that's because yeah, that's ridiculous. So we're not going to see anybody like Tyler Eulis right. anytime soon. I don't think. Uh, Alex's other question. Uh, he says, "Hopefully, you guys don't mind me asking a prep question from the past." We, I, we don't. Uh, but I've always wondered why the Blue Bloods never went after Derrick Rose as a prep prospect. I saw his final list and seemed underwhelming for an elite a prospect as he was. I didn't see Duke, Kentucky, Carolina, or Kansas, etc. You guys were there. Can you take a minute or two to rehash his recruitment? I'd say the only school that was still—I mean, that still did recruit him out of the Kansas was still involved, um, you know, and. It's. It came down. Do you remember the whole Illinois deal where he made the last-minute visit to Illinois unofficially? Showed up. I believe it was for their their scrimmage. I believe. Yeah, I was uh, sitting at work trying to get something else done, and Reggie Rose called me, and he's like, "I yeah. got something for you." <laughs> and I'm like, "What?" Yeah. And he says, "We're going to Illinois. <laughs> We're going down there." And so yeah, it was pretty pretty big moment for sure. Yes, I remember it well. But I mean, Memphis, you know, obviously it was Calipari, and and um, they, you know, I, the, the last list UCLA was in there, Illinois and Indiana uh, were three. You know, and at the time, obviously Illinois was was rolling. I mean, they had they they had it going. It was coming off some uh, some success. So, but yeah, I, I just think um, you know. Uh, the only Nike school that was on that list was Illinois. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, with all Adidas. I um, first time I talked to Derek Rose, I asked him um, what is um, this was in Indianapolis. I think at the, uh, the, one of the Nike camps back when they used to have that there. Because um, you know Simeon didn't let him talk, and this was I think probably before sophomore year, and uh, so we got some media availability. And his dream school was North Carolina. Is what he said then. And North Carolina never, ever came around. Duke never came around. I think it was pretty clear to them from the start that it was going to be a mess. And those schools don't have to deal with that generally. And so they didn't. I think that... And really, Derek Rose, you also have to remember what his status was at that point nationally. Um, huge in Chicago. And known nationally, but he wasn't... 
you know, he was just a normal-sized guard, and he wasn't the type of guy that a Duke in North Carolina was going to go through all the BS that was going to be necessary, especially early on in the recruitment. He hadn't really proven it yet. So those guys never got involved. And I've often wondered what would have happened, you know, if North Carolina would have, because it was pretty clear to me that's where he wanted to go early. Um, but, yeah, I think it's – you just don't see those guys getting involved in especially Chicago messy recruitments. And, yeah, that's that. Interesting question, though, because, yeah, I think a lot of people had that question when I re- when I posted Derek Rose's Player of the Year story and we were that kind of stuff was in there. Uh, next up, Patrick Devitt. Uh, he wants to know where we would slot out-of-area teams, such as Danville, Belleville West, Bloomington, etc., into the Super 25 if they were eligible. Are there any other teams out of Chicagoland area that would garner Super 25 consideration? Well, Belleville West and Danville, to me, are right there in the top five status. You know, I, I believe wholeheartedly that they're two of the five best teams in the state of Illinois or in, in that mix, in that battle for who are the top five teams. Um, Bloomington, I think, would slide down a little bit, a little bit lower, but they'd be a they'd be a top twenty five ish team. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Danville would definitely probably be number three or four for me now. Um, I think that Bloomington maybe top fifteen. You know, right around Hillcrest. You know, kind of right in there. That they, they were better than uh, that, and uh, Champaign Central would be in the in the Super twenty five. You know, probably low teens, 20s for them. Um, Rockford-Jefferson, they just lost to Boylan, though. Uh, that yeah. was kind of an upset there. There's there somebody. Were, oh, Belleville West, yeah, like Joe said, I've not seen Belleville West. Um, I haven't seen E.J. Liddell yet, so that's hard to say, but it's, it sounds like they're definitely solid. Is there anybody else that we are um, that, that we're missing? I, I'm trying to think. Not that we track top 25, I don't I don't. Yeah, nobody in the Peoria area is really. Southern Illinois is is down uh, outside of Belleville West. Um, oh, no, Normal West. Yeah, they, they were, just beat. They just knocked off Bloomington. Yeah, so they'd be in there probably, maybe in the mid-teens uh, <laughs> is my guess. <laughs> I don't know, um, but yeah, yeah. It, it is a fun, a good question, and I always do that with player. When I see out-of-state players, I always, as I'm watching them, I'll say, "All right, I love this kid. Where would he?" Where would he be if he was in Illinois? And, uh, you know, the same scenario here, only obviously the teams where they would fall in Chicago. Yeah, or, it's interesting, too, because I'm sure there are a lot out there that would make the Super 25 because I yeah, don't. There's, a, there's outliers that would pop in just like there are here. Exactly. You know, yeah. Because after 10, I'm not too confident in most of these teams. So I'm pretty sure I could go to the Quad Cities and find a team that I thought deserved to be in my Super 25 if I watched everybody. Um, all right. Next up. Get this going. It is Gary Winthorpe, and he Gary's. I, and I think this is a first for first time uh, question asker. I don't recognize Gary's name, but Gary says two questions for you and Joe. Who is the most entertaining player to watch in the city? Is the first one, Joe. Who's your? My, I, I'm going with a little different. I, I, I don't know if they would, or they. I mean, fans or people would classify as pure entertainment value, but Taylor Horton Tucker to me is. Is uh, I have an appreciation for Taylor Horton Tucker Simeon because of his versatility. I, I love the uh, as a pure basketball player, and, and all my scouting reports I've sent to college coaches for th- the last three years. It's all this is the one player who can dribble, pass, and shoot. 
And Taylor Horton Tucker can go inside a little bit, get on the glass, rebound. He can step out. He's got range. He's, he's got a fluid jumper. And he can his really underrated skill is passing. So I, I just find him as the most fun and enjoyable player because of his wide range ability and versatility that he brings. Yeah, you know, I, I might change my answer. I was going to go with Javon Freeman. I, I love his, you know, high ceiling, his uh, high flying thing. But I'm going to go with um, my my guy at Clemente. You know, something had to draw me to that game. I didn't just go to the Wells-Clemente game because <laughs> it was close. There was no snowstorm. I could have gone anywhere that night. But I really loved watching Tashawn Stokes play. He is kind of picture maybe a more... I wanted to say Messiah Jones, but kind of like that, you know, that old 19, late 90s, early 2000s, 6'5", high school Sergio McClain guy who's just in the paint killing everybody. And the whole team, you know, Wells is just so focused on we have to stop him from getting the ball. That is all they cared about. They had because once he got the ball, it was over. You know, he was going to find a way. He's, he's, he's nice body control. He can get to the hoop with both hands. And he finished almost every single time he touched the ball anywhere inside that three-point line. He was going to be able to do it. And he got them the win. Second time I've seen him play there. And he the numbers he's putting up in that white division, I think he had 37 in the last game. Um, you know, they beat uh, Collins, which is a nice win for them. So, I really like watching Tashawn Stokes. I might head over there again, you know, at some point this season when I'm grounded by the weather and I can get over to Clemente easy. Um, Antoine Lampkin from Wells is fun. He wasn't didn't have the game he should have because they really were able to shut him down. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go with Antoine or sorry, uh, Tashawn Stokes. Let's see. Yeah. Oh, he had the second more. part of his question. Which teams in the north suburbs do you think could make a run to Peoria? Oh, gosh. You know what I want to say. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Niles North. I mean, yeah. the winner of the main east section whoever comes out of there is going to have a legit shot. I mean, whether it's Niles North, Trier, Evanston, St. Viator, whoever it is, you know, they're, they're going to be right there. I mean, somebody's going to come out and they're going to be in that super, and the super sectional has changed. A year ago, Evanston had to go down to Chicago State and play – the ultimate or the eventual state champion young in the super uh, this year, they do not go down to Chicago state. So uh, good for them. And, you know, I, you know, I, we kind of weed out everybody through that one section, although. Yeah. I mean, I still, I know they lost again to Libertyville. I still like Waukegan. Um, we'll see if they can do it. Maybe we shouldn't discount Libertyville. You know, Drew Peterson's a one man wrecking crew. And I think in 3A is interesting. There's two good, really good contenders up there. Carmel, who's, you know, had some nice wins. They haven't been super consistent this year. And North Chicago, who's flying under the radar, but that's not going to last long. They've got some players. I saw them last year. Tyrek Cooper is a fantastic high school player. I mean, he, he's one of the best shooters in the whole area. He's scoring in other ways from what I've been reading so far this year. I think both those teams can make some noise in that, you know, messy 3A world. Uh, for sure. All of three, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you can you can count on somebody to <laughs> rise from the ashes in three A and. All right, uh, you want to hit these surprises? Yeah, we've got a number of them. Uh, you know, there is a whole there's a bevy of teams that, as I mentioned in the opening, that we haven't talked a lot about or really have even in recent years. And um, you know, I the the one that. I know you tweeted about a little bit or wrote a little bit about Mike was Sandberg. 
and they're off to, I think, 6-7-1 start. 7-1, and uh, one, yeah. You know, I didn't take much stock until they knocked off St. Ignatius on the road. I talked to Coach Todd Allen yesterday, actually, about his team, and he just talked about how, well, first of all, how small they are. <laughs> they don't have a starter over 6-1. They have changed kind of their persona as a team. They play up-tempo. They get out and pressure a little bit. But uh, Sammy Ishmael, Ishmael a, a kid who averaged about three or four points a game last year, Mike, he is averaging 17 this year, uh, shooting it, scoring off the dribble, versatile score. Uh, they've got Jack, uh, Jake and Jason Pygon in the backcourt. Jack, Jack Milnulty, uh, 10, 11-point-per-game score. They all you know, played last year, so they've got some experience, but they are tiny, they're small. Uh, but they're one to watch in that, in that league that, you know, no one is basically everybody said Bolingbrook, 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 and now we've got Sandberg. We've got a much improved or better than we thought Homewood Flossmore, and so that league's going to be kind of interesting to watch. Yeah, I um, I saw Sandberg last year. I went to uh, went out there to actually to write about Stag. I wanted to write about John Contant, who you know I liked watching play, and Sandberg took him out of the game and then beat him. You know, last second heroics. They were, I was kind of surprised by how much fun they were to watch. And, you know, those kids are all back. And I guess they all played for the Windy City Magic, at least four of the five starters. And that's the same AAU program. I guess that Providence team from a couple of years ago was kind of the same way. They also had Miles Boykin, so that helped. But um, I was talking to the, with some Windy City Magic people, and they said that this is very similar, a similar kind of way where these guys are ready to go this year. So that's interesting. A couple of them have NAIA offers, I guess. If it wasn't for the Oak Lawn loss, which isn't a great loss, they would have been in the rankings. Uh, but, yeah, they're definitely going to be fun this year. And, you know, you saw a spark in them last year. They just they play together. And it, this year, when everybody's a little – when there is no high major superstar in their world, that's going to take you pretty far. Well, and I was talking to Todd Allen about – and I looked up their scores from like – he's talking about how different they are. And they definitely are because I looked – last year they scored 65 points two times all year, exactly 65. This year, they are averaging through eight games, they're averaging 69 points a game. So it clearly a difference uh, offensively. All right, you want to go uh, – let's go St. Lawrence next because they almost cracked the rankings really close to number 25 this year. They've beaten St. Joseph. They're 6-1. and one. Um, they're lost, They lost to DePaul Prep, a good close game on Friday night. The other wins aren't super great. Kelly, Kennedy, Revis, Oaklawn, and Tinley Park. But there's talent here. You know, I also saw them last year, and you saw it. Uh, they, they, they weren't quite together. Their coach was Jim Maley, who's now over at Conant. But Isaiah Harvey, who I, I don't remember actually from last year, I guess he's, right. a, he's from the Virgin Islands. He moved two years ago and had to sit out sophomore year. And then last year they said he was just getting used to the speed of the game, but he's had some big numbers, put up I think two 30-point games. Yeah, um, he's averaged like 16, 17 yeah. a game, kind of out of nowhere. Uh, Zion Fortune, who I saw, who is a good rebounder, shot blocker, good athlete. You know, the, the pieces were in place kind of last year you saw for this team to be able to do some stuff, and they have a really promising sophomore class. So this is a team we're going to want to keep an eye on the next couple of years, I think. Yeah, it'll be interesting too, Mike, what they do in that Catholic League white. I mean, I think they, I mean, oh, yeah. uh, probably them and Leo. I mean, they're going to be able to pile some wins. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, you know, them and Leo, maybe St. Mel, um, will be battling out in that, that new division in the Catholic League. And they're averaging 80. Well, they were before the DePaul loss. They were averaging 80 points a game. 
So that's more, you know, maybe we're starting to see some upstate eight river flow into the rest of the high school basketball world. <laughs> you know what I mean? We are just talking about Sandberg scoring some more points. St. Lawrence yeah. is scoring a bunch of points. This is, these are positive developments. Yeah. Another one up a program that any basketball fan was familiar with because of all the success they've had in the past, Glenbrook North. They were only a third. They went 13 and 15 last year. Coach David Weber's team did, but they've got, they don't have any big names. But they have got some a lot of senior experience. They've got size. Um, they are unbeaten right now. Now they don't have a signature win yet. You know they've best wins probably St. Pat's. Um, I don't know. I, I don't, that's their best win right now. I, but I, I, oh, I don't even have that one. They beat. Yeah, I think they beat St. Pat's. Like I got it written down in my fifty-five, fifty-two. So um, yeah, I don't have that one. Hmm. Uh, I just think they're a team, though, that in that mid uh, Central Suburban League North, that a lot of people, well, from outside, I think a lot of people in the in the conference knew they were going to be pretty good. Uh, but you know, Kellen Witherall, a six foot five senior, he was a double figure scorer last year as a junior, uh, and they have about you know their point guard is back. Uh, Sean Merrigan was back, so they've got three, four guys that played a lot of minutes, and they got a good looking junior, Alex Press. Uh, he's probably their best young player in the program, six foot four junior. So Glenbrook North, unbeaten right now, still haven't been probably tested yet. Of, of I think they're at Hinsdale Central Christmas time. I think yeah, 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 they are Hinsdale Central. Yeah, I got lucky. Um, also saw Glenbrook North last year. You know, I get places early, and uh, I saw that fifteenth loss <laughs> of the. I saw their last game of the season. I think I was there to see Niles North maybe against somebody in the playoffs, and uh, they were the. It was a doubleheader. You know, some places do the doubleheader um, regional games, and they were playing Notre Dame. And the night before, Glenbrook North had come back from 18 points down to upset Libertyville, who was seated, I think, five or six places ahead of them. So they'd won that game on the Monday night. And so they were on Tuesday, they were playing Notre Dame, who, you know, one of the better teams in the whole area. And that it was a really great ending. I saw the whole second half. Uh, came down to the very end. It was one of those games that got away from the last 30 seconds. They lost by six, I think. But you looked, and they were playing just tons of juniors. Uh, Kellen Witherell, who Joe mentioned, Max Nebelkamp, Evan Barnes, the other two guys that I wrote down from that night. So I guess, the, yeah, the seeds were planted for this when you saw a team get hot right at the end of the season and play two really great playoff games that winds up being 13 and 15. They made a little bit of noise. We know Dave Weber you know, is a really good coach. But, yeah, there's no win here yet really to put any faith in for Glenbrook North so they're not yeah we'll learn we'll learn a lot about them at Hinsdale Central yeah. I mean I, clearly I mean it's and I think I think several of these teams we may have to wait until Christmas time in some of those holiday tournaments to kind of really get a great measuring stick with them yeah I think these next two or the Neighborville Central talking about next they're, they're not a huge surprise I think you know they've got a d1 kid but they're off to a nice six and one start yeah I mean they're I went and saw them Friday night actually um, they just absolutely took apart Matia Valley. It wasn't the greatest game, but uh, they are huge, Mike. I mean, they <laughs> they are big. They're bulky. They're they're long. They're you know Ben Wolf going to Northern Michigan, um, six foot nine big man. I, I just they're intriguing because they've got these young guys, uh, two three sophomores that are trying to make an impact and contribute. And if if they if and this is how they're going to be good in March, is if, if those sophomores can become a little bit more 
impactful uh, because they've got a lot of veterans on this team uh, that, well, that point guard and big man that are the key positions. So can they make a run at Naperville North and Wheaton South and the DuPage Valley and kind of make their presence felt? I, I think they can. Uh, they, too, need another I mean, they, they, they've had a little bit tougher schedule than some of the teams we've talked about yeah. so far, but they still haven't played a marquee team yet, just yet. No, but yeah, it looks like they've got uh, seven guys 6'4 or taller, like Joe said. 6'6 six, six off Cam Doherty uh, has been playing well, and Tyler O'Brien can shoot it. Looks like he's had a couple big games. Yeah, so. O'Brien's been he, – he played terrific. Um, he had 16 in the first half on Friday night against Matia Valley. Uh, again, a veteran presence for them in the backcourt. Uh, but, yeah, they, they are – you you want you just watch them come out and warm up, and you're like, geez. I mean, they just look they're massive. Uh, next up, uh, another one's not a huge surprise, but I wanted to talk about Shures because they're living up to what they should have. They're six and zero. They won 22 games last year, so they're not a big surprise. But when I went and saw them, you know, you saw a team here that's going to be interesting. Jalon Mitchell is their star, six four, six five athlete kid. But Daniel Osorio is the one to talk about. He is, you know, that lead guard. He can get to the basket, you know, pretty much at will. And he was doing this against Collins, and that's a team that's got a lot of speed. Um, so I, I was very impressed with him. Elijah Clay came to play, and that kind of won him the game. 6'4", six, 6'5", six, long athletic kid. They have a nice win against Peyton, and that's a program on the rise. You know, you might not have heard a lot about them. They're starting to get some players. And the Collins win is huge because that's they're a team that can usually play with the lower red teams. Um, also went out and won the Thanksgiving tournament in the suburbs, beat West Chicago, Fenton, and Elgin. You know, I don't think Schurz is going to – Makes some huge, you know, crazy run. But they can win the white, and they're definitely worth keeping an eye on. And when you're 6-0 and at this point against a decent schedule like that, I'm um, sure it's worth talking about. And another one that can make some noise possibly, I think, is Latin. Uh, Latin has, has two really good juniors that that are, are ones to keep an eye on. Israel Hernandez is a you know, 6-3 wing who can just flat-out score, and a big man, Jackson Tanner. He's six foot seven, pushing six eight. So, Latin are they? Are they two A? You know, that's what I was wondering when we did this because they've already beaten most of their rivals, like Francis Parker and North Shore Country Day, Lyle, that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm not sure. And no. they're both juniors, right? Hernandez and yeah, Tanner. Yeah, both both juniors. Yeah. Yes, and uh, you know, I I just think they are one to watch. If, and, and as we're talking here, I'm trying to look it up to double check. Why I can't remember what they were, three um, A or, or, or they're definitely not three A. Yeah, it's been a while since I, I think the last time I was over at Latin was to see Jeremy Richmond, <laughs> his freshman oh, year. Yeah. <laughs> I went over there to uh, to watch him. Taylor Bell showed they, up. Yeah, they, they are two A. Oh, so, they are two A. In two A, they could you know they, they can cause some damage here the next two years. Yeah, and this is a team I'd like to get out and see simply because those two guys are juniors. So next year. You know, maybe they could make a step up and be kind of a lower Super 25 team if everybody uh, yeah. kind of turns out. All right. A couple up in North Suburbs I was going to talk about. Barrington, uh, Mid-Suburban League West, they finished fourth last year, 14-14 and 14 last year. Uh, they're off to a terrific start. And I don't know what the staying power they'll have, um, but they've got a lot of size. Jackson Perkins, a big man. They got a guard, Anthony Span, uh, but they're, they're very young and inexperienced. It's kind of unexpected, you know. They lost. I was looking up. They lost forty-six points per game from last year's team, and yet here they are off to this really good start. I, again, I don't know if they'll be able to sustain that. 
but they are sitting here at six and one. And then in the North Suburban Conference, real quick, Mundelein is yeah. you know two and zero oh in the league. You know, you look at that league, Mike, <laughs> Lake Zurich, Warren and Waukegan, Zion Benton, some of the names Stevenson that we've been accustomed to. It's Libertyville and Mundelein right now, both two and zero. Oh. Mundelein is six and two overall. Uh, they got a three-year starter in Jeff Bikus and. You know, they, they had some success with Perry Wilhelm back in the day and Dick Kennard. They won three straight regional championships in 2011, 12, and 13. But, um, you know, this is a, a a team that, you know, in a league that Stevenson has dominated for over the last, I don't know, handful of years for sure, it, it's kind of wide open, and, and it's kind of showing that way. With, with Waukegan, still you expect them to be the favorite and kind of kind of – put it together and, and, and put this away in that league eventually. They're just more talented than everybody. But Lake Zurich is another team that's talented. But here in Mundelein is just kind of, you know, finding their way. Yeah, I think like Naperville Central, Mundelein is the one team that is really worth paying attention to. I've been impressed with a lot of their scores. They made my book kind of earlier than these other teams. They beat Warren 70-52 to that second game of the season. They have a close win against Deerfield. Zion Benton's down this year, but they beat him. And then they gave Stevenson their first loss of the season, I think. Um, this past weekend, they did get kind of destroyed by Fremd, uh, 64-42. And no that, one beats Fremd. And, they, yeah, and that's kind of what got Fremd into the – that's one of the things <laughs> that got Fremd in the rankings this week is that they really handled a Mundelein team that appears to be pretty strong. I'm interested in Mundelein. I don't know much about him at all. But, yeah, they have one of the resumes on here that unlike these other teams that they've beaten some teams, eh, I'm not going to say too much about, but Mundelein, yeah, very interesting for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that's – does that wrap up our Yeah, that's, that should do it. Um, well, Westmont is 8-0, but I know nothing about them. Um, oh, yeah, Westmont. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm going to keep watching the scores, <laughs> and then maybe we'll figure out more about Westmont. But if anybody knows, you know what? Yeah, send me an email. If there is a Westmont f- fan out there, fire me an email. We'll read it off in the next podcast to know about the undefeated West Suburban Small School. Um, let's, let's quickly kind of take a look at the week ahead. Um, more games down on my week ahead sheet than I think in any week so far. And they're not like shootouts. It's all, you know, real high school basketball games. Uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, or today when you're reading this, um, I guess I got Lake Forest Libertyville down because I want to see uh, Drew Peterson. Uh, Waukegan Mundelein. You just hyped up Mundelein. They're playing Waukegan. And Waukegan could pick up another loss. <laughs> Boy. Hey, Mundelein got a two-game lead over Waukegan. <laughs> Seriously, he'll be in the rankings. Um, Bogan is at Simeon, and Morgan Park is at Curie. Those are two big ones. But you know what? I'm really tired of seeing the public league powerhouses. But so- it's, this, it's part of the scheduling, though, Mike. I mean, we talked about it at yeah, one point. it's horrible. Yeah. I mean, all these marquee games are all done before Christmas. Shoved in, and yeah, it's bad. So I'm going to be out in Elgin. I'm going to check out St. Charles East at Larkin. I want to see St. Charles East? I just I need to get out of the city and see some other teams. What night's that? Tomorrow night, Tuesday night, tonight okay. when they're listening. Uh, Joliet West is at Naperville North, which is a nice test for Naperville North, and St. Rita's at Marion Catholic. The re- St. Rita's reeling; um, they're in some trouble. They need to figure things out. So that's Tuesday night. Wednesday night we've got Farragut at North Lawndale. Some people might not have noticed North Lawndale did fall out of the rankings. They lost to Marshall. Um, David Forrest is hurt. He's got a groin injury. Um, so that was kind of one of their reasons, but I think that might've been at Marshall. 
And Marshall, if you look, their scores haven't been bad. They didn't lose to, lose to Young by a ton. I don't know anything about them, but it looks like they're not going to be a pushover at least. Um, Lincoln Park is at or Lincoln Park picked up a big win against Uplift last week. Then the big one Joe and I talked about, Bolingbrook Romeoville. And then kind of an interesting game at Marist, Rich East, at, Rich East against St. Lawrence, who we talked about. So that's a nice test for both. My Rockets. Exactly. Thursday, another big one, Kenwood at Morgan Park. I feel like Morgan Park just has played the entire Super 25 um, <laughs> in the last three weeks. Um, and then St. Charles East is at Streamwood. Streamwood gets a high-scoring, high um, gosh, Kent, what's Keenan, his name? Keenan Cole. Keenan Cole, yeah. So that's an interesting one. And then I'm actually going to see a different game, Hyde Park at Harlan. I haven't seen the Harlan freshman yet, and I'd like to get a look at Hyde Park, and I just can't watch Kenwood and Morgan Park again. Um, let's take it Friday. Big list here. Fenwick at Brother Rice. That's a really fun game. Loyola at St. Rita. St. Joseph at St. Ignatius. The big one is Evanston at Niles North. Bennett at St. Viator. That's a pretty big one. Great game. Conant at Fremd. Stevenson is at Libertyville. Geneva at Batavia. Hinsdale South at Willowbrook. DePaul at Leo. HF at Bloom. And one of the best games, always, is North Chicago at Waukegan. There's about five games on that list I'd like to see. No, that's 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 that, I hate when it happens, but yeah. there is a yeah, I mean some huge conference battles, some rivalries in there and uh any and and every area of the Chicago area. Yeah, basically I mean, wherever you live, there's got to be a game within 20 minutes. It's going to be really yeah. good. Like I'd really like to see that Hinsdale South Willowbrook game cuz I haven't seen either one of those teams yet. Um, that would be fun, but uh, yeah, yeah. that's, that's going to make my weekend forecast story a hectic one. Cause there'll be so many games. Yeah. Friday is fun. We needed a night like that. I think, uh, Saturday, not quite as great. Uh, Conan at Hinsdale South. I think that's where I'm going to go to get a look at, um, my first look at Zion Griffin and Ryan Davis this year. Evanston is at St. Joseph. Um, Lincoln Park is at Latin, which is, would be a good opportunity to check out that Latin team. Stevenson at Prospect is always a fun one. West Aurora at St. Charles North. And then there's the Crete Moniz shootout, which has some pretty good games, including uh, Bloom against Brother Rice. Sunday, we've got the Orr shootout. Um, marquee game there is Orr and Proviso East. Uh, I'm probably going to talk much about Proviso East. No, and they've been rising up the rankings as yeah, well. So, I, mean, I, I did see them early. They were a little bit better. I saw them without Quinlan Bennett. I saw them at Thanksgiving, and they were better than I anticipated. So, you know. That's good to hear because I've been scared scared about <laughs> raising them, but their scores have been pretty impressive. Um, yeah, I mean, I, they, and that was without Quinlan Bennett. So, it was one of the kind of the real, kind of overlooked players in the, in the Chicago area. Sounds good. All right. Um, I guess are we next? Is next week holiday preview already? Oh, I haven't looked at the calendar. Yeah, me neither. I, I, we might have one more week before we break down the brackets, but the brackets are coming out, everybody. So take a yeah, look. Yeah, it have to be unless we're doing two episodes because next week is yeah the eighteenth, nineteenth. So holiday tournament starting up that following. Boy, oh boy. Yeah, the brackets are out there. The pairings are on the website. I might try and figure out a way to get the PDFs up um, if I can of the whole tournament brackets in all my free time. But anyway, um, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll be back next week. <laughs>